Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay-Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from The Coaching Habit podcast. Here's your host, MBS. It is Michael Bungay-Stanier. This is The Coaching Habit podcast. It's the podcast where we dig into leaders, to thinkers, to writers, to coaches, to people in the world and get them to share their insights about what's working for them to live a better, stronger life, and how they helped others do exactly the same. And I'm really excited to be talking to my guest today. It's Marsha Reynolds. Now, Marsha has been one of the longtime champions for coaching in this world. She was the fifth global president of the ICF, the International Coach Federation, and she is back on the global board as a director. So that already speaks to a life of real service to make coaching a force for good for the world. She's a prolific author, three books, Outsmart Your Brain, Wonder Woman for High Achieving Women, and The Discomfort Zone, How Leaders Turn Difficult Conversations into Breakthroughs. And of course, she is active as a teacher in the world of coaching. She teaches coaching skills to coaches and leaders worldwide, and is on faculty of coaching schools in the US and China and Russia and probably beyond. So brilliant, Marsha, it's nice to have you on the call with us. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. And um, I love this podcast series, so I'm just going to jump right into it. You know, we've talked a little bit about your past and where you've come from, but I'm curious to know, what's the impact you're seeking to have in the work you do these days? There's two quick things I want to share. One of them, it's like the better that I get at coaching, and I know you share this in your book, that it's always simpler than we like to think it is. Right. (laughs) Because it's so much more about presence than skills. But what I'm seeing is that as my clients start to discover their own blocks, uh, when they see them on their own, they get to laugh at themselves. So I have a lot more laughter with my clients these days. Instead Mm. of being embarrassed, they go, oh, look what I was doing. And they think it's funny. So I love that because laughter, it makes change easier. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and, and the other piece is on the bigger scale when I work with organizations is that they're, they're finally seeing that this isn't about taking a two-hour workshop and thinking that, it's, that they coach, that they're really recognizing that there's this great need to shift their cultures into creating coaching cultures where leaders are really caring um, about people and being curious. So I love this cultural shift that's going on. There's so much good stuff there. I'm, I'm almost struggling to know where to start. But let me pick up with one of the very first things you said, which is a recognition that it's more about presence than it is about skills. What, that's such an intriguing sentence. What do you mean by that? Well, in fact, I always say that and people ask me, well, how do I become a master certified coach? Right. And I always say mastery is the deepening of presence, not the increased improvement of skill, that the more present I am to the person in front of me and can really hear what they're saying and, and what they're not saying and mm. share that back with them, that the more profound um, the response can be, because then they they really get to question themselves and and see beyond into this thing that was a blind spot that's now revealed. And there's nothing more powerful. You know, I don't know, Michael, that you know, but my second master's degree was in um, adult learning. Right. So I've been researching how do we learn for years and coaching is the most significant technology we have for behavioral change. And and again, as you say, it's, it's not so much that I have to remember to say this and do this. 
but how present can I be with the person so I can share back with them what they're saying and what's getting in the way so they can see for themselves. So how do you develop your own sense of presence, your own ability to be present with somebody? How, how does that become something that deepens and strengthens? I really am grateful that at the same time I found coaching um, was back in the 1900s. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of that century. I think it was a good century. Right. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I found emotional intelligence, which right. I was one of the first people to design a program, get it out there. And for me, that, that being aware of when I'm not present, of when my judgment, you know, judgment is an emotion and, yeah. and I can feel when it's rising up. Mm. And, and, and the moment that I can catch that emotion that might get in the way, a little discomfort with what they're expressing, or again, my own judgment about it, <sighs> the quicker I can let it go and come back and be with this incredible human being that's sitting in front of me. I love that. Yeah, that kind of the clue that as judgment arises, it's probably a distraction from mm. being present with the person. Yes. You know, I know as, as I've tried to, because I agree with your point that at a certain point, there's, there's only so far, there's only so many more skills there are left to acquire. Um, <laughs> and actually, you discover that there's an elegance, a simplicity to coaching um, beyond a lot of the kind of the techniques. So as I'm, I'm sitting there with a similar question, which is how do I try and be more present? Not, not just when I'm coaching somebody, but actually just with mm -hmm. people in my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Right. We're moving far, farther and farther away from that because we're always on our cell phones and whatever else we're doing. Um, just that ability to stop and turn around and look at someone or to shut things down when you get on the phone. It, it's a, it's a disciplined practice that we have to do to remember, ah, what am I doing at this moment and why am I here? Yeah. I, I've tried to get better at noticing, again, this is following your lead, about what does it, what does it look like when I'm not present? You know, what are the physical <laughs> clues? Yes. Because it's one of those things around kind of the body leads the brain. So yes. I'm like, what, what's my body like? What am I physically like when I'm present? What am I physically like when I'm not present? And right. try and use that as a clue as to what's actually going on around here. Because I'm a very heady guy. I'm not that uh -huh. connected to the sort of somatic wisdom, you know, the body wisdom. Uh -huh. But I'm doing my best to try and use that as a way into presence amongst other things. Yeah, right. And it doesn't have to be specific that I know exactly where my anger shows up. Yeah, yeah. But you have to learn it for yourself. Um, and even if you take any particular emotion like discomfort or anger or fear, it shows up a different in different people. So, so you can't really learn the specifics of that. You can only pay attention to yourself. So the other thing you talked about as you talked about, you know, what are you up to these days? What, where's your work taking you? One of the things you talked about is in your organizational work, uh, shifting the culture and thinking about a coaching culture. But I think you used an interesting phrase with that, which is around, and correct me if I got it wrong, but about helping leaders be kinder to the people that they work with and that they lead. Was that, was that what you said? Uh, yeah, well, I said more caring and curious. Caring, right. But certainly kinder is a part of that. <laughs> um, but it's really even, again, just focusing on that I have this human being in front of me who's struggling with something to remember that we're all doing our best with what we know. Yeah. That's a hard thing. We often judge people negatively before we 
try to understand where they are right now. Right. I always think API, assume positive intent. Yes. Um, <laughs> and boy, that's hard sometimes where you're like, no, they're definitely out to screw me over or get me or deliberately make a mess yeah. of it. Or um, they're just uh, lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what have you learned around shifting cultures? Because uh, I've been involved in kind of change management and organizational development for years. Mm -hmm. And mostly what I've learned is how hard it is to shift a culture. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if there's, if there's things that are becoming apparent or more obvious to you about where are the levers, where is the ability to influence a culture? Well, you know, as any cultural change, you, you have to start at the top because there has to be not just support for the change, but they have to model it. Right. Um, I'm actually putting together this course right now where we're looking at um, they have to have a value for coaching. Uh, there, there's a great book called The Leadership Pipeline mm. that says at every leadership level, your work values have to shift. And if you don't shift your work values, then you're not going to take the time to learn the skills needed at that level. So in looking at, you know, what is the greatest value for these top leaders? Well, they have a responsibility of developing other leaders. So it's not just getting work done, but, right. but what does it take to develop a leader? Well, you have to develop their minds, not just their skills. Mm. And so how best do I help someone else to expand how they see things and to understand there's different options, but to do that through coaching? So when we start to look at what's the benefit and the value for the top leaders to be coaches. It has so much to do with uh, succession planning, building their leadership pipeline, expanding the organization in a positive way if they want to grow. So first they have to get it in inside that uh, this is something that I value. Right. And once they do that, then they might start doing it. And then you're looking at how can we infuse coaching in the rest of the organization with both external internal coaches, with sharing of success stories and doing some ROI measurements so people know this is a great thing. Yeah. So it has to be a whole program. You can't just lean into one spot. You've got to be thinking about it holistically because you've got to move a bunch of things forward at the same time to create the shift. Yeah. In fact, one company I, I did some work with, we taught the entire company uh, how to coach. So even the factory workers could do some peer coaching and and be coached. Right. Because in order to be a good client, sometimes you got to know what's that. going on. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's such a great insight, which is it's like you're really helping people mm -hmm. be more coachable. <laughs> because if then you then you're working on yeah. both sides of the equation, because otherwise you're often, you know, it's like I've trained this manager to be a coach mm -hmm. and I've trained the per people they're leading to now resist that coaching in <laughs> yes. all cases. So I love that insight. <laughs> Yeah, what happens often is leaders, they learn coaching skills and then they go out and people like go, what are you doing? This is strange. And then the leader says, well, it doesn't work. And mm. then they don't do it. <laughs> so. Exactly. They're like, oh, they've been on a training course. If I can just hold exactly. off for two weeks, maybe they'll forget it all and we'll be back to normal again. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. <laughs> hey, to, to shift the focus a little bit, I, I'm, I'm curious about your own journey to, to get where you are today and you know, one of the quotes that I love, I, I use it all the time, I use it all the time in this podcast is, inspiration is when your past suddenly mm -hmm. makes sense. I love that. So I'm curious if there were one or two kind of crossroad moments for you where you're like, okay, you know, it was the decision to go left instead of right that really changed everything for you. Yeah, 
Well, there's two quick things I want to share. And the first one, um, because it happened 40 years ago, I don't mind sharing it. But uh, I, as a young adult, did something rather stupid. It wasn't that harmful to other people, but it was enough that it ended. I ended up in jail. And the most amazing thing happened. So uh, you get to know your cellmates really well because there's not much else to do. Right. And and this one woman, real big woman, she was my cellmate. And I was sitting around complaining about my horrible life and how I was such a screw up and I couldn't accomplish anything. And and she got up and she got in my face and said, you have no idea who you are, do you? She said, you're so smart and, and you're courageous and you care and you have to get that yourself because once you get that in, in yourself, in your heart, you're going to take that out into the world and you're going to make a difference. Holy manoli. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I've got goosebumps <laughs> listening to that. That is like an outstanding crossroads moment. I mean, literally, you're having somebody at that moment say, come on, step up. Exactly, and I had to do it. <laughs> right, or else you know, you're going to be – beaten up by this enormous prison woman, right? <laughs> right, right. And so I I really felt it just inspired me not only to, to rebuild my life, but to go out and do something that was significant uh, for other people, because she did that for me. Wow. So I, I did, I went on, I got degrees, I worked for companies and, and did some good work for corporations uh, for a good 16 years and then decided it was time to go start my own business. And I thought I'd do training. Um, but I found this article on coaching. Yeah. And I was thinking, wow, my best work is not in an event. Training's just an event, but in a process when I talk to people over time. So I thought, well, maybe I'll do this. I'm not sure. It costs some money. I'm thinking about it. But then one of the vice presidents, on, right before I left the company, he came to me and he said, well, who am I going to talk to if you leave? And, <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know, but I don't think I'm going to stay here just to talk to you. Right. <laughs> and he said, he said, I don't expect you to stay here. I just want to know how we can talk in the future. And, you know, I'll pay you. I love that. It's like, welcome to your business yeah. model. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> right. I said, hey, I'm a coach. <laughs> so that was the day that I was inspired to add coaching. That's <laughs> fantastic. It's great to have you know, two people show up going, I'm pointing the direction to what needs to happen right now. Right. Yeah. Don't miss those moments. <laughs> yeah. So that's wonderful when we have those moments where we kind of, you know, our future changes because something happens, uh, a, yeah. a stroke of good fortune or a stroke of bad mm -hmm. fortune, but it kind of takes yeah. us onto another journey. Yeah. But one of the things that I've learned about myself, and I think it's true about others, is most of us have you know, a lesson or two that we have to just keep learning <laughs> and we learn it in one form and then it come back in another form and we kind of keep, you know, it's, a, it's kind of the patterns that keep us, keep us rolling forward. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if you're willing to share, what's the hard lesson that you've had to learn along the way or, or you keep having to learn? I think I keep having to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, people aren't always ready to grow to the level I think they should. Uh. And, and so my expectation or that they really want the information I have and I, I get so disappointed in, in recognizing we're all in a different place on our journey. And some people just don't want to move right now or it, they need just little steps. And, and sometimes, you know, I'll write a book and it comes around 20 years later, like, oh, people find it and say it's great. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that when the, when the student's ready, the teacher appears sort of piece. Yeah. 
And I have to remember that. And even in classes, I'm sure you find that, that some people embrace what you offer and, and some people, it's just not right time for them. In some ways it connects back to what you were saying before about presence. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, presence is that piece also around removing the judgment that you should be, <laughs> you should be adoring what I'm telling you right now because yes. it's amazing. Uh, right, you're like, and adore me too. <laughs> right, exactly. You're like, I, you offer right. it up and you kind of, off, you know, you point to a door and you go, you know, I'm going to do all, my, all I can to invite you to walk through this door and some of you will and some of you will skip. And some of you will sidle and some of you will sit there and not want to go through the door, but you get to make that choice yourself. Right. And it doesn't mean that something's wrong with me. Right. And I, I think that's, you know, being a trainer for over 30 years, it's that one sad face that one person in the class hated me and, oh, I'm awful. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just letting it go because everyone else got something out of it. Yeah, that's a, that is an ongoing lesson you need to learn as a speaker or a trainer, which is... You know, when the 2% of people don't like you, not yes. to go, it's a disaster. You're like, you know, actually 98% of people like this, so I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm interested to, to ask you this final question as part of this interview because you are a master coach. You've been doing this for years. You know, you're a, a, a keynote speaker. You speak on difficult conversations, on leadership, on emotional intelligence, on personal mastery. Um I'm wondering if there is a, a tool or a process or a model that kind of is, is one of your favorites that you keep coming back to. I mean, I know that I've got a, a range of things I know, but there are often two or three things that I go, ah, let me show you this because I love it and I think it works really well. Is there, is there one that's a particular favorite for you? The one thing that I've come to know that is really powerful in coaching that you know, we define coaching as reflective inquiry, not just inquiry. Right. And that people often don't understand the power of just the reflection of just saying, oh, I noticed. I noticed that your voice got low there and, and sound kind of sad or, or that your spirit really lifted when you started talking about that. So just the noticing and sharing what you noticed um, is so powerful to hold up that mirror and allow people to hear their own words and see their own expression. Right. And then ask the question. I love that. So it's the reflection that I found to be so powerful that we often forget. You know, uh, I remember being taught something similar on those lines, which is kind of notice it, blurt it out, and then ask a question. <laughs> because it can I be so that. easy for us to kind of move into analysis and judgment about, oh, what does this mean? And I'm interpreting it, and therefore I've come to a conclusion around yeah. it. Right, right. And you can be wrong. That's what I love, too. I'll say, wow, it looks like, you know, you, you're real sad about that. Because if they're not sad, they're going to then tell me what they're really feeling. Right. <laughs> and which takes the conversation deeper. So I always teach my coaches, just, just share what you think and, yeah. and let them tell you the truth. And one of the other things that I've learned, and I, I think this is a, a harder thing to do, but I'm trying to get better at it myself, which is don't just notice what you see in them, but notice what you see in yourself. You know, mm -hmm. how do you physically, how you, you know, I was like, I noticed I got a bit bored with this. <laughs> yeah. I noticed I got excited about this. So yeah. curious what that might mean, yeah. you know, and there's sometimes there's wisdom in your response to, to what you're seeing as well. Right. Right. Or when I get out of breath with what they're telling me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Very good. Marsha, it's been a wonderful conversation. Um, I know people will want to learn more about you and the work you do. Um, where would you point them to? Where can people find you? Well, my website is outsmartyourbrain.com. Perfect. That's the best place. Mm -hmm. Marsha, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for taking the time with us today.
Yeah, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.